Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is Brad Kearns. The biggest mistake couples make is putting their kids first over each other. I think the couple needs to put each other first, and then the kids will benefit by that. You gotta draw your boundaries. I hate that phrase. If you're in a relationship with somebody, that person should know you well enough that they know your boundaries without you having to draw the boundaries. It's time for the Mia Moore Show. Hi, listeners. Trying to adhere to my motto, getting over ourselves, being authentic and honest and open with the communication and the show topics. Therefore, I present this fun little experiment with my girlfriend, Mia Moore, coming on, donning the headphones, the mic. We're chilling, relaxing on a Saturday evening, and we push the record button. We've had an idea to record an assortment of shows on wonderful topics because we seem to have this relationship that works so beautifully on many levels and would love to share some of the ideas and insights that we communicate about together and talk about and interesting articles and books and topics. And so I have all these notes about, hey, I want to talk about Don Miguel Ruiz's four agreements with Mia Moore because she uses those great with great effectiveness in the workplace as a manager of a big team. Um, There's great articles from Chris Gage in The Medium, one of my favorite pithy writers with all kinds of memorable insights about relationships. We could talk through those with an actual partner sitting here going back and forth, but I wanted to introduce her to the audience, so that's what this show was all about. We didn't have notes. We didn't have a script. We just went for it. The conversation kind of went in assorted different and interesting directions and throwing out fodder that will serve as great content to zero in on on future shows. But this one is truly unplugged. Kind of (laughs) wild. I hope you enjoy it. I think you'll enjoy Mia Moore. She's a very thoughtful and kind and sensitive person, an absolutely ideal partner. So here we go with the first of many shows with Mia. Enjoy. Testing, one, two, three. It's Mia Moore. Hi. How do you like how your voice sounds? I'm not used to it. Neither am I. It's the first time I've heard my voice in real time was getting this recording equipment. I've heard my voice recorded listening to a podcast of myself, but this is real time stuff. Wow. So if you hold your mic too far away, you'll know to correct it because it's going in your earphones. So you're in the big leagues now. It's modern recording studio, modern media. Here we are. And I'm so glad to sit with you and do a podcast. And one popular subject I thought we would talk about is relationships. What do you think? Let's give it a go. You know what? The general baseline understanding of relationships here today, modern life, I think is we perceive it to be hard work, a struggle. Oh yeah. And we make quips and quotes and the guys gather and complain about high maintenance women that are nitpicking and nagging and the girls gather and they say that their husbands are distant and lack emotional depth and all these things. And we carry through culture with these kind of basic notions. And so all we see around us or oftentimes we see struggle and difficulty and we kind of make that our baseline rather than 
thinking of something better where could could it be possible that relationships could be easy and fun? That's interesting as you just mentioned like three things in that. Was that two sentences or three? So I don't know where to start. So one of the things you said is, well, I'll start with the easy part. You talked about people saying relationships are difficult and or women complaining about their husbands. So that's two different topics. Which one do we want to tackle today? That's my specialty is spewing out all <laughs> kinds of tea up areas for you. Well, let's talk about um, people complaining about their better halves, right? And uh, what I say to, let's say, women complaining about their husbands is that uh, they need to be single for a period of time before they complain. You know, unless they, someone's been, you know, divorced and single and being putting themselves out there trying to find, you know, the quote unquote right person because they've been complaining about this other person all their lives. Until then, do they realize that maybe the right person was right there and they just, you know, they didn't know it or maybe that wasn't the right person and should have left a long time ago instead of complaining, right? Okay. Those are two pretty heavy insights. Mm -hmm. And I remember you told me that where you go and, you know, spend an hour at the Friday night singles gathering when you walk in and, and gather yourself and take a deep breath and, and go put yourself out there and it, it might give you a healthy perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As far as, you know, not sweating the small stuff. Well, that's your motto. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that so much. I think for any person in any situation, of course, in a relationship, it's a great motto. Uh, but even in the workplace or as a parent, I remember uh, reflections where I got you know overly caught up in having to have a perfect experience for my kid or a, an ideal relationship, and then things go south and you have a rebellious is- issue, and you think the the world's coming to an end. And um, it's it's a way to recalibrate because really almost everything is small stuff when we look to the people in Redding, California who are losing their homes in the fires or the people in the halls of the hospital when you're walking in and, and seeing that the pain and suffering that's going on in everyday life. And then we're out here complaining about uh, the, the air conditioning guy at Firestone that uh, waited two hours to tell me he couldn't fix my car. Stuff like that, small stuff. Right. How about relationships, small stuff? What are the things that you no longer sweat because you've grown into this motto. And tell me how you grew into that motto too. How I grew into that motto, how I became the person I am today in the relationship that I have with you today is basically uh, years and years of, how do I say that? It's living the experiences that I've lived in the past. So every relationship I've been in, starting with, you know, a boyfriend, my husband, other boyfriends, have made me the person I am today. Um, And with each relationship, I notice that I sweat. You know, you tend to, um, I don't want to say not forgive, but you tend to uh, accept more than what you were willing to accept before Mm. because you realize, A, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, 
and yeah, it's that whole thing about not sweating the small stuff. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go into details about prior relationships, but um, they weren't pretty. Some of them weren't pretty, like I'm sure some of our listeners' relationships weren't with arguing and screaming and stuff. And I made a conscious effort not to be that, you know, not to be in that kind of relationship again. And sometimes I think it's the person we're with who brings out the worst in ourselves and vice versa, right? And so um, I think I'm talking, I'm going on a tangent now. Yeah, well, we have two issues at hand. One of them is not sweating the small stuff and learning how to get there. But then you bring up a really important point, which is um, how to draw boundaries, which I think are two different things is how to draw boundaries and have, let's say, higher standards for relationship that are uh, non-negotiable. Right. So you talk about a yelling and screaming encounter. Um, I think a lot of that might have to do with age where we're in, right. in whatever decade we're in, where we're kind of still trying to understand who we are, trying to navigate the first uh, long-term relationship where kids are in the picture. Most people have, you know, maybe they might have multiple relationships, but usually they only have one or two bouts of having a family with a partner and raising them, right? Right. So in all that uh, circumstance, there's a lot of chaos. And I think sometimes it gets emotional and you get into power struggles and high stress situations that um, we navigate and and come out of with a better perspective, right. perhaps. And probably I'd say it's because the biggest mistake couples make is putting their kids first over each other. I'd say that's the biggest mistake. I think the couple needs to put each other first, and then the kids will benefit by that. And that's what a lot of young married couples do. They put the kids first. And they're complaining about the husband because of that. Or they're complaining about the wife because the wife doesn't want to go away on vacation because of the kids. Or doesn't want to leave the kids with the in-laws because for whatever reason, they they don't believe that they can raise, you know, take care of their kids well. Although they forget that those same in-laws raised them when they were kids and they survived, right? But um, I I really think that, you know, married couples need to spend time, you know, they need to be... Uh, a couple, basically, and put each other first and and, and um, still hold hands and still be happy and kiss each other when they walk in the door because the kids love to see that. Mm. They well, need to see that because right. then that will make them better partners in their relationships. They don't need to see the screaming and the arguing, the contempt, the eye rolling. Well, they're the center of the... They're center of the universe anyway, because they're little kids, and then they're treated that way by the modern helicopter parent, which is such a prevailing trend of couples putting the kids first and then putting the relationship second. And so you grow up as a kid and see that like you're, You're this is all subconsciously, but you're more important than the well-being of the romantic partnership of your parents. And that probably messes up a kid's head pretty well. And then the kid gets into a relationship and can't understand how to navigate a real partnership because they've always been put first by by parents. The center of the universe. Yeah. So um, there, there seem like a lot of obvious ways for the couple to put themselves first before the kids and we just kind of neglect it or forget about it. We do. Yeah. So the other uh, hanging issue is this not sorting the small stuff. And could it be like uh, fatigue and frustration from fighting these battles, realizing that no one wins 
and is there better is there a better choice you can make rather than you know maintaining this uh, this this kind of conflict mindset? Yeah, of course there is. I mean, better choice as far as, but the thing is, it has to be a conscious choice. You have to have a con- you have to make a conscious choice not to sweat the small stuff. It's not easy. Mm. Most people, by instinct, you know, want to get their way, or you know, they do get upset over just the minutia of mm-hmm. life. You mm-hmm. know. Well, the the other part of that is what do you deem to be small stuff. And it gets a little tricky because uh, if a partner comes through the door and gives you a bunch of shit because they had a bad day, and then we read articles from Chris Gage on The Medium, one of the best relationship commentary, short and to the point and memorable. And she says, emotional control and emotional self-stability is the number one priority for a winning healthy relationship. And everything else is secondary if you don't have that. So do you draw a boundary or do you say this is just small stuff that this person's venting and saying things that they don't really mean and I'm going to forgive them when they calm down? That's a tricky issue to navigate. Well, it depends how that person's venting. If somebody's just venting because of a bad day at the office, they're not going to be directing it at their partner, they're going to come in and say, hey, I had a bad day and can I vent? That's how I would do Mm. it. I just need a vent. And something that I think men in particular, and maybe even, maybe women, I've, I've had girlfriends who I've talked to about this before too. The other partner, when who's listening to their partner vent, has to remember they're not to give advice. When someone's venting, they don't want to hear you tell them what they need to do. They probably already figured it out. They just want to have someone hear them vent. And someone say, oh, wow, what a day, you know, can I rub your feet or can I make you a cocktail or, you know, or just come sit here, let's watch TV or just, but they want to just hear, they want to say it. And, and I know it helps me sometimes when I'm venting. Sometimes I'm just in my car driving home and I, and I vent out loud and that's enough to just get it out of your system. Yeah. But we don't need anyone to tell us, you know, advice. And, the, and I mean, that works with both sides, Some, you know, the husband or the wife, it doesn't matter. Or when you're venting to your girlfriends, any type of relationship, it doesn't have to be, you know, your spouse, it could be your sister, it could be your parent. Regardless, when someone's venting, they just want to vent. People need to stop trying to fix other people's lives in that situation. Well, actually, in many in any situation. Well, yes, especially when someone's venting. But generally speaking, uh, this is from Deepak Chopra. Uh, people want to be validated and respected. Period. Mm-hmm. And so, someone's coming in venting. They're sounding uh, a, a little goofy and you make a judgment in your head like, oh, there you go stressing about that same old thing at work and it's, right. why don't you just get over it or something like that. Oh, yeah. But instead you could say, wow, you really seem upset, uh, period. Right. Right. I'm so sorry to hear that you upset and that that happened again. Not making a call like, yeah, you're 75% at fault and your boss is probably only 25%. You right. know, you're right. None of that stuff works and it should be, it mm-hmm. should be swept away and you just know how to deal with this stuff. Maybe that's a small stuff that your partner comes in and vents now and then and doesn't ask you, how was your day? Because they're not in that state yet. Right. And you're going to count that as small stuff. 
Right. Somebody, somebody may get upset, but no big deal. I mean, because, I mean, and then if they'll they, be the day when you're there venting. Or, right. Yeah. And now let's it's say they take. come in and they start unloading on you and criticizing and using, uh, you know, uh, destructive so communication. So now they're venting now is turned the dog. and it's a fire hose. They're kicking the dog. Right. They come home and kick the dog. Is that small stuff to you or not? Mm, that's not small stuff. That's stuff. actually that's something where uh, you probably need to go to therapy for at some point <laughs> and and draw a boundary and say, "Hey, you don't seem well right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna bail. I'm gonna go take a walk or something." But that's a fine line. You right. really, I really, I'm pro therapy. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's a safe haven for a couple to be able to express. And sometimes you go individually. I believe in going individually to therapy, talk about the issues, and the therapist is going to give you um, suggestions on how to better respond in situations. And this is one of them, because what you just said kind of sounds a little condescending, Mm. the way you said it. You better be very careful. Right. I'm I'm trying to cut ties from a dysfunctional uh, interaction, but we have to be very careful and say, wow, you really seem upset. And this doesn't seem like a good time to talk, so I'm going to go take a walk or something that's... Yeah, I think it works best when you do, as a couple, when you're not in that mood or mode, when you're in a regular, you know, loving, happy self, happy day, where you talk about um, how you're going to respond in those kind of situations. Mm. Like, and you can ha- agree to say, you know, um, when next time you, or not next time, but um, <laughs> whenever, or I don't know how you'd go about that. Like I said, therapy would help, but, you know, if the partner knows that you're not, that's what you're talking about, boundaries. I'm not going to accept this, you know, and I'm just going to walk away. And then when that happens, you just say, you say, oops, I'm leaving now. And, uh, you know, I'll come back in 20 minutes or what have you. See how you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but that's not the kind of relationship I have right now. So I'm not really thinking about it, behaving in those ways and having to figure out how to respond because I'm not in that relationship anymore. Yeah. I think we're on to something here where it would be nice to um, bypass a lot of this reactive uh, living and deem many things to be small stuff, but at the same time have that capability to draw your boundaries and know what's important to you and have a you know a selection process to emphasize those things that are really important to you. And that's why I mentioned that article, like emotional control and emotional self-stability mm-hmm. being an absolutely mandatory element of a relationship where you know that you're not going to be the dog that's getting kicked because someone else has poor emotional control. That, that sounds like a pretty huge one. But then let me ask you something like, here's a partner who has an issue being late uh, frequently and let's say they're paired up with someone who's punctual. Is this small stuff or is this something to navigate? What do you do? And just, well, in that, someone who's late frequently to me is small stuff to me, but to the person who's always punctual, that may not be small stuff. So the person who's always punctual, I don't see them probably in a relationship with someone who's always late. 
I don't. I can't see how that would even work. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it. Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat. So it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting edge protocol where a handheld device sends low intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training and all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low-impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to Primal Health 
coach.com slash Brad to enjoy a very special limited time. And I'm not kidding. This is a big time discount just for you. 25% off your tuition. A fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash Brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find. Especially if it's so important right. to, the, to that punctual, tightly wound um, Gretchen Rubin, the four personalities. There's the um, uh, the upholder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the upholder yes. is got the note cards and the three by five card. What says what they're going to the do rules. today? Uh, very tightly wound. And then you have the rebel or some other type of personality who is free flowing and. Uh, people like your father, who's this smiliest, chattiest guy, and he goes to the grocery store and he might come back later because he ended up later. talking to somebody about the the Mexican soccer team and their incredible run uh, to you know qualify for the World Cup and whatever. Um, but you know if you if you have that foundational uh, challenge where you just see the world in a different way and being on time is of of paramount importance to you and you're very rigid and inflexible and the other person try as they might just doesn't seem to get into the groove, even though it's important to the other person. Uh, then, then we're going to have some, some conflict and uh, some long-term issues there. Right. So the, yeah, that couple would not succeed. When you mention my father, it's funny because my, my mom would, you know, on the other side of the coin would be at home and I'll be there and, you know, where's dad? Oh, he's, he went to the grocery store. And then she'll say something like, oh, he's probably talking to so-and-so. And it's like nothing, right? Like she's ex- she expects it. It's no big deal anymore. Whether it was a big deal at one point, I don't know. But, the, I mean, they're together today still because she learned to not make it a big deal. That's interesting because I think when you have a really great foundation and you know that you're loved and respected and validated and then something happens that could be huge massive stuff if you're on shaky ground or it could be small stuff such as hey we went to a big party it was a wine tasting event and oh you were talking to that uh, that that gal in the oh. corner over there for a while was she nice did you did you enjoy your conversation seemed like you were flirting with her a little bit that could be a massive uh, uh you know Start giant <laughs> weekend ruining issue for one couple. Right. And then the other couple, you could poke the person in the ribs and giggle about it and have, you know, some interaction that shows that the the, the foundation is so healthy that you're going to get through it. Maybe even, deal. maybe then there was some emotions involved and you're wondering or feeling a, a tinge of, uh, uh, you know, uh, emotional response, but you right. you make it small stuff because you know, you know, that's an interesting example because... Uh, because today, the, I, I don't know. No, because uh, the partner who's secure about himself or her, her, him or her relationship would have gone to the, the, the boyfriend, the husband, and said, with talking to that woman and say, hey, if they, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Mia. I'd like you to introduce. I haven't met, yeah. I haven't, yeah. no, it's like, I haven't met you yet, How, yeah. you know, and just uh, get... And you know, kind of get part of the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So then there's nothing to, you yeah. know. And it's like, like I come approach person, you and. Right. But the person who's insecure is going to stay behind and kind of stares and watches. And you're going to make they, it. And, you're going to make trouble in your head. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah. It's like 
I come over there and, 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 and bust into a conversation. Hey, what are you guys talking about? And you're talking about Brad's speed golf right. thing. You got to meet this guy here. And wow. I mean, uh, I think we, we get stuck in oh, that. Were you jealous this afternoon? No, I'm saying like, you know, it's a positive example of when we're starting from that healthy point mm-hmm. and going back to this example of, of one person's late and one person's punctual. I want to ask you about the relative importance of having this natural match of disposition, temperament, values, the way you look at the world, the way you approach your day-to-day life versus having this, I don't know, sparks and opposites attract and they compliment me and I'm always late and my partner's on time, so she's helping make me a better person. How would you comment on either of those scenarios? No, I... I believe that's why I believe in not getting married till you're 30. Because three, oh, you hear that, young right. people? Three, oh, let's make it to the big 30. People change from you know their teens to their young adulthood, you know, through experiences and also through relationships. It makes you the person you are as an adult. And I think um, when you get married young, like I did. I can't remember how young, old you were. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's young or not, but I remember I was like the I, second wedding I ever attended, attended in my life was my own. Oh, you know. Oh, the year which is kind of weird. I was twenty five, right? Twenty four. I, I was twenty four as well. Oh, and at the time, bump I, on that. at the time I thought I was old, right? You know, I graduated from college. I was already working. But in that year, everybody was getting married. Everyone around right. me was getting married. Yeah, the dam breaks. But, you know, and most of us, I would say, are divorced by now. Well, and then you've got my yeah. sister who married at 29 who's still happily married. Yeah. I think there's something to be said. Her husband was older. He was already in his early 30s. He'd been in his share of relationships, as had she. And they, you know, they they totally, you know, met and and we're ready for a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew apart from my husband, and, and many couples did, you know. And uh, some mature, some don't, or whatever it is. Okay, well, there's a there's a plug for um, a, a older age uh, uh, marriage. Mm-hmm. What about the concept of um, you've been through a couple? marriage and divorce cycles or long-term relationships and now are you wiser more appreciative or are you damaged goods no i think you're wiser more appreciative across the board or do we have people that uh maybe that's a red flag i know um some therapists uh make that contention that like you shouldn't date a guy who's been married more than three times or something you just you Okay, that's different you asked me about relationships you didn't say just be married i agree you can't be married. I think if you're married more than three times, yeah, you're right. That's a red flag. A therapist would say that for sure. Because, you know, why? It's people, it's usually the men who jump into marriage like quickly. Oh, is that so? I, based on my experience, either they can't be alone or, yeah, they, they need to have, and not because they need someone to cook for them and, and you know, and, do their laundry. Most men nowadays can do all that, you know, can fend for themselves very well. But there's something about having a, a woman in their, rela- you know, in their life. 
um, I think women can be single longer than men can for whatever reason. I don't know why. But most, and the single men that I do know, they're not single because they want to be. They're single because they can't find, you know, their woman, their person. Uh, how about women that you know? Are there the some woman that, that want I to know, be and some that are, yeah. is there different categories? Some that are looking and participating in online uh, interactions and meetings and then others that are just tired and happy to have a new phase of life while they're not worried about a, re- a stressful relationship? All of the above. It's interesting. A lot of my married friends will say that if they weren't married, either like if their spouse passed away or could they never talk about divorce because they've been married a long time. They're in it, you know, for the long haul. But if their mar- mar- husband passed away, that they would not remarry, that they wouldn't even date again. I mean, they don't even, can't even, don't, don't even imagine it. They have no desire Another for that. Another gross, hairy body coming <laughs> in their house. No way, It's man. like, no way. But then I have friends who are single and who've been single a long time and don't even want to be in a relationship. They like being single. They don't want to, um, you know, what's the word? Not bend their ways, but mm. they don't want to compromise. Mm-hmm. They're used to, just like some single men I know, they're used to doing it their way, having dinner at the same time or whatever it is. And they don't want to be dealing with some other, they may have girlfriends, but they won't even live with them because they like doing it their way at their times. Right. So we have all these different personality types described and that goes mm-hmm. back to the the starting question of like this is where we're probably looking for a natural match where you have two people that are let's say both eager and open to enter into a relationship and get into an adventurous uh, journey together or you know you might have these matches where one person is super set in their ways they've been single for a long time the other person's really eager for a relationship and you start to get some clashing and conflict right out of the gate yeah right so the natural match to to me i feel like uh is is a huge thing because it it avoids um a lot of potential troubles that can that can trip up even a well-meaning couple Right. And so if you have this common ground where you know you're not probably not going to argue about this late and on time thing because you both kind of tend in one direction or another, mm-hmm. then it sets you up for, you know, pursuing a hierarchy of, of better needs where, you know, you're really going for it and trying to have uh, open, authentic communication. No one's easily offended or easily triggered. And so you progress further down, further down that right. road of being able to freely speak your mind. That's right. Yeah, it's tough. And I think... Um, you know, you do a great job, like welcoming the real me, and not requiring me to filter and measure my behavior and my comments, and therefore I become the best part of me. Right. The best me. And likewise. Right. Will you accept me even when I'm not the best of me, which yeah. is even more important? Or I know that um, sometimes when people are not right something's going on it's really helpful for a partner to gently but very sensitively say hey what's going on you got something to say and there's a real art to that i think because you can also 
behave that way and then it comes back to bite you and you have maybe a, a distant memory of you know speaking your truth to uh, your partner and then you get punched in the face for it for the next you know seven months straight or something uh, but to have right. that open and receptive back and forth communication no matter what it is that's something to you know to really build on and thrive on you're right it is so what about the smile and your cheerful, sunny disposition every day. How did you get that way? Was that work? Are you born this way? Well, I was born this way. You think so? I, I know so. You know mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. And when you had those, uh, let's say, relation, I know you know how to enjoy a relationship. We, we give you that. And what, what about the struggles? But let, me, but let me, going back to what you said, that I may have been born this way. I was always positive thinking person, sees the glass half full versus half empty. But when I was in a bad relationship, I wasn't always smiling inside, you know. I think it helps being um, with a good partner. And when you're struggling in a relationship and you have this cheerful, natural, sunny disposition as your baseline and it's getting compromised, not blaming anybody, but it's just compromised by stressful daily life and interactions that aren't making you feel nurtured and supported and uplifted. How do you cope with that? Because I have a um, nurturing partner at home. I think that's, that makes the difference as far as the struggles at at the office or that type of thing or um, issues, you know, um, with family members and stuff, you know, it's, yeah, it's having um, a supportive partner at home. It keeps me smiling. So we talked about how to be supportive when someone's coming in and venting and uh, catching yourself and not trying to give advice. Right. And how does that extend out if, if the listener is trying to, has, has a desire to be a better partner and maybe unwind some of these negative communication dynamics that are so common? What are some other ways you can be a supportive partner? Undressing them and taking them to the bedroom? Is that what you're thinking? (laughs) Hey, that brings up another point because we have this, you know, compatibility in the the, the amorous category Mm -hmm. and that seems to be... Are we telling our listeners that? This is, this is get over yourself podcast. There's no, you know, there's no filter. There's no, there's no editor inside that little box that's recording everything. But um, that seems to be a common relationship issue is maybe a disconnect in right. wants and needs in that area. And that is more prevalent with um, uh, folks of our age. Is that I've so? Noticed. Yeah, it is. Listeners, we're in the 50 plus category <laughs> and trying to maintain that youthful spirit so that we can pretend we're half our age, right? Right, right. Or not pretend we're half our age so we can remain half our age. How's that? Hey man, it's all, Internally. it's just hormones and genetic signals as we know. Well, segue into your new book. Right? Keto for longevity. Right. 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 Take care of yourself, be healthy, engage in healthy relationships. Maybe at, in, the, in the higher age groups, I'm going to guess or speculate that maybe we get better at drawing our boundaries so that we don't, you know, remain stuck in these negative patterns or make the patterns worse. Okay. So when you say that, and you've said that several times in this conversation here, about drawing your boundaries. That sounds like, you know, therapists speak to Mm -hmm. me. I hate that. I hate that phrase. 
you got to draw your boundaries. Oh, God, it drives me like crazy because if you're in a relationship with somebody, you shouldn't have, that person should know you well enough that they know your boundaries without you having to draw the boundaries. Do we want to go there now? I don't like that. I mean, that's one of my big pet peeves when people say that. You know, you got to draw your boundaries. Hate it. People I like should that. know. That's a, that's, you you that's, should know what yeah. I, what I'm going to accept yeah. and what I'm not. That's right. As you know, we're yeah. not like dating anymore. It's like how many times am I going to call upon my, you know, summon my my willpower to draw my boundary again and say, "Oh, you're yelling at me again. I have to I have to leave." Right. How many times? Right. No. Is it 7? You shouldn't have to because right. I will know and I would never do that again. Because I care for you, right? I love you. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. But when you're not, that's if you're in a healthy, good relationship. Right. And if you're in a type of relationship where you're always having to, you know, draw <laughs> your boundaries and, and remind your partner what your boundaries are, I'm, I'm, that's not a good relationship. Right. And it's mm-hmm. so common. Right. I know one example, I won't say, I won't name any names, mm-hmm. um, but someone I know um, jumping in the car on a date. And forgot to open the passenger door first, which was verbalized by the the female companion that uh, this was very important to her, that she was shown that chivalry every time they entered the car. And it okay. was a point of contention. And then just... Why was it a point of contention? If because she said I, it once... The, uh, I almost oh, said I. I. <laughs> and this is go. this is way long time you ago. Obviously with little kids. You obviously learned because you opened my car yeah, door. This is, um, this is like early, early teenager time in your first relationship, right? Right. And so I forgot, I forgot again, I forgot again. It became an issue and then was getting pretty good at it and in a good rhythm and happy to open the door and how fun it is. And I feel like I'm, you know, being a good guy and learning this wonderful skill of opening the passenger door, but then forgetting now and then. And then at a certain point, it's like, this person won't get in the car. Right. She won't get in the car. And I'm in the car going, I'm in the car going, WTF, guess what? My boundary was just reached and I am not getting out and going around oh, and opening gosh. the door because I'm so sick of this complaint and being an issue. It's like, hey, what if I just bought you a nice dinner, showed you a good time, had a wonderful conversation, forgot to open the door. And so I just come up with the example of like, there's two people drawing their boundary right. and it ain't looking good. And that's no. furthering what you said and your take on this is great. Like right. draw your boundary. Someone, Someone's saying a little voice into the female head and then someone's saying a voice into dude's head like, dude, draw your freaking boundaries, man. You mean you're getting out of the car again for that bullshit? It's that's some messy stuff right, right. there. But obviously, she wasn't important enough for you because if she were, you would not forget again. And and my defense coming back was matter. like, but I sincerely forgot. I didn't mean anything by it. And that's no. a you know, well, okay, all right. I'm sorry, you're going. You're taking the girl side. I like that. No, yeah. whether it's the girl, or the guy. In this situation, I think communication is key. Mm-hmm. Whatever the situation right. is. She communicated to you mm-hmm. many that times. She wants, How many times she should have she have to do it? it, it once. Yeah. She only right. had to have done it once. Right. And that's a difference. Sorry, I'm going to go there and listeners can say whatever. Write they want. in. Yeah, write Get over in. yourself podcast at gmail.com. It's going to blow up after this show. Is that men, and I'm going to generalize here, tend to really not listen. 
they hear you talking. No me escuchas. ¿Cómo se dice en español? No me escuchas. Yeah, no. Well, kind of. Yeah, no, no me escuchas. escuchas. Yeah. You hear them, men do, but you're not really listening. I mean, that happens all through life. In the workplace, I can say that happens too. Mm -hmm. People are hearing Selective. you talk, but they're not listening to what you're saying. And so in this case, you weren't listening to her. And also, I need to look deep down and ask myself, is there some resentment or some passive-aggressive uh, behavior going on here that I forgot again? And the same comes with that issue of, being on time is really super important to someone. And then I'm repeatedly making the same mistake of being late. If I'm using the example of one person says, hey, it's really important to me. The other person can't seem to get there. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new zero-drop minimalist shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot-style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. 
Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They're designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green. Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. That's not a good partnership. It's not a good relationship. I mean, it's, yeah. If something is that important to someone and the other person is just not in their nature, then that probably wasn't a good partnership. (sighs) Even if it's like... A seemingly minor issue, like that, well, I like the door open minor? for me. Right, right. To, yeah, is right. it minor to you? Is it minor yeah. to that? May not be minor to her. Yeah, that's right. why um, your Being comment late about, to you seems minor, but to the other person, right? Your ex-wife. That's oh, no, the problem. It was it's not minor. Right. The minor issue becomes major. Because the first person feels disrespected and doesn't feel right. like your efforts to be on time suck, even though I told you how important it is, or your efforts to open the door, even though you're batting eight out of 10, which is great in baseball, but you still forget two times out of 10. And I am but highly see, offended by you missing the door two times out of so 10. And that's what's talking about sweating the small stuff, right? So, but it, so the small stuff, it has to be defined by every individual, right? Right. For that person, that must have been not small stuff for whatever reason. I don't know. She was 20 years old. If you ask her today, if you were going to look her up at, at 50, she probably wouldn't care anymore. Do you know what uh-huh. I mean? We don't know that. Right. And who knows what was behind that right. and the kind of the scars or the issues that you bring into this current relationship with speaking mm-hmm. of pet peeves, like... Um, I don't care what happened the last time or whatever the negatives that came out of that. If you, you know, give me a chance and don't project stuff on me that came from another relationship, I think that's a fair thing to ask. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, your comment a a ways back about, um, you know, getting your partner undressed and taking them into the bedroom. Mm. All that sudden, solves many problems. It's you. You, you don't want to be. Um, you don't want to overblow this, but it's like building that foundation where you're cared for and respected and desired. Therefore, if you do have a challenging interaction in daily life, you're addressing this from a different platform than people who can't even hold hands when they're walking down the sidewalk because they're holding on to resentments or tension or stress or anxiety or venting so much from their rough day at work that they don't have that emotional control and self-stability to make the person feel that they're even happy to see them a little bit. Right. 
and speaking of pet peeves, again, you know what my other, one of my favorite ones of yours that you brought out on the table but, and said, uh, whatever oh, is your pet I, peeve. It is. And I'm like, wait the a second. Term, whatever. We all use that term all the time, especially me and my buds and what time we're going to meet for the bike. Oh, eight or whatever. I'll meet you down oh, there or whatever. Different. Well, it, it's, it's putting that word out there and getting me to reflect on it differently than I ever have in my whole life. So. What, what's no. what's the story with whatever for you? It's how it's used when somebody <laughs> says, um, "Oh God, what's an example?" Like whatever, like they're not taking whatever what whatever you're saying. Hello, no pun intended. What you are saying seriously? That you just say whatever. It started actually with I think growing up, my dad hated us to use the word whatever. He thought it was being disrespectful. Like we, we're not being serious with him. If he if he were to make a comment about something and you'd say whatever, you know that that no. I wish I had a good example, but yeah, it started growing up with with our dad. He you know being a he's a Spanish speaker from Mexico, but there were certain words in English he would not have. That's one of them. Well, I think it's when you're trying to secure. A consensus or a commitment, and a lot of people use that reflexively to give themselves uh, some leeway. Like, let's say you better be home by ten o'clock or something. Whatever. I don't know if we said it then. I'll blame my sister on that one. But you know, <laughs> and so now in relationships, when someone says, um, oh, "I'm just trying to," th- I can't remember when you said that to me when I told you the I first will not time. Have- I know, but when, and have you said it again? I think it was, I've caught myself a few times, but I think one of the examples I can think of is when um, we're trying to arrange a a plan for a day and it says, well, do you want me to, uh, do you want to meet at the store or should we meet at the movie theater or should I pick Mm -hmm. you up? Uh, Well, whatever. I mean, I can uh, do either No, that's different. Whatever. I mean, which that in that situation, you would say, well, whichever, whichever works best. Neither. Um, that's different. Whatever. Also, oh, I the, don't like use it. An, well, that that's like you're you're getting wishy washy instead of firm commitment. And then the second right. use of it is when you're making a dismissive final parting shot that's after someone like. speaks their mind and and you know right is, is trying to. That's what I don't yeah. like. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Or it could be, I think there was a situation where like, if it had to do like here or there, like, and you did say you were getting frustrated and I could tell, and that's why I said, whatever. And the way you said it, uh-huh. it's like, oh no, that's, is that a boundary? I guess you could say that was without my saying, that's my boundary. You know, I, I just said. It's I a communication you, preference. I, won't know, I, I do not like that. Right. Don't ever say it again. Right. That's That's all I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's dismissive, mm-hmm. yeah. Or it's it's not right. it's the opposite of validating, right? It's because yes. you you say um, good point would be an opposite comment of whatever. Like, hey, uh, the kitchen was a little messy after your meal. Can you uh, do a better job cleaning up? And then the person comes back with a defensive comment like. Well, most of that stuff was your mess and I did clean up my little pan there. You know, we have this back and forth all the time. We? 
Not us. No, no. We we relationships. Mm. Not us. We don't care about that stuff. We we got priorities. Mm. But um, we're too old for that, <laughs> among other things. Uh, but sometimes these convert these back and forths. I notice it a lot of times. They end with someone saying whatever. Right. And That's go go to that other example of the word but in the middle of a sentence. Well, that was your thing. I yeah. never really thought much about that. Uh, it's you brought that my, to light. Uh, personal growth training, these guys bring up these different concepts. You go for, you know, a 48 hour weekend right. and get your brain filled with stuff. And some of it's really memorable. And but, one of the things- uh, And I now <laughs> use it at work. Especially at work, right. But the the point was made that if you say something and then the middle of the sentence is a comma and then the word but, everything before the word but you don't really mean or it's an outright lie or something it's like invalidated. that. invalidated. Yeah. I, you- your presentation was 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 great, but people were getting uh, bored by the end, and it was too long. So, so that means it really wasn't great. Yeah, right. So think about that, people. When you're saying that, especially we're talking about relationships here on this show. So what would you say there? Your presentation was great, and would have been it can better. Be had to- <laughs> Correct. Big difference because the person's open as soon as you hear but. You you close off, right? And then we remember learning about body language too, where you start folding your arms or or you know striking a closed off pose, and it has great meaning in in the neuro linguistic programming world where people are trying to identify how the what these things really mean because body language means so much to communication. Right. And when someone hears the word "but," they 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 wall they off because they get defensive. Yeah. yeah, and they don't hear what you have to say after. Right. Right. Interesting. Speaking of body language, how did it go with your interview of that lady who specializes in body language? Oh yeah, we Gita. Really talked about it. Right. Yeah. We have a we have a show coming up with her and uh, developing these. She she uh, trains uh, people in public speaking, so you're learning your presentation skills oh. uh, in front of the audience. And when you're you know you want to be dynamic and you want to be authentic, and the acronym is PACE. It's like posture, authenticity. Something, something. We have to go listen to that <laughs> podcast on the Get Over Yourself channel. But it just so happens that, hey, maybe this stuff is really effective in relationship too, where you're making eye contact and you're studying the reaction of the other person and doing things like like you do so well, which is you think there might be more coming from the person. And so right. you pause and say, what else? Or whatever the words are to let the person know and give them that signal that, even if it's not the funnest conversation of the day, you're 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 re- you're receptive, and you're validating what they have to say, and you're you're ready for more if the case may be. You know the key to that, and I've thought about it in the workplace, um, and even with you, and you know my relationships with you know my friends is that you need to be able to sit quietly. Look at them in the eye and listen without interrupting. And do you know how hard that is for people to do? Today in the social media age and the, uh, what do you call like the the Fox News and the combative uh, programming and the reality programming where we get off on watching people interrupt each other and put each other down. Right. Yeah. So just listening and look, you know, looking at the person listening to them speak and just being patient for your turn because you'll have a turn when they're done speaking. Hopefully. You should. You right. will. Right. 
Especially you, if you don't interrupt. Right. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. That's all. Right. It's like the more interrupting goes on, the more it's going to happen back and forth, and the less, the less. Right. And the more interrupting you do, the longer that conversation is going to take. Because most people, depending on the situation, will just repeat it again, right? They'll start back at square one. or um, So it's, to me, I find it best to just listen till they're done. Uh, A lot of people in this world just want to be heard. Um, uh, Confucius said... Resolve to listen more and talk less because no one ever learned anything by talking. Oh, I agree. Yeah, you can probably learn something by talking, but it makes sense. Right, but you know who learns something by talking? The person that's talking. Sometimes when they hear themselves speak, they may realize, oh, they kind of solve... I've, that's happened to me. I don't know. I'm changing the subject here, but sometimes let's say when you're venting or you're, or you're talking to a friend about a situation and, you know, maybe you are seeking advice. Sometimes we can, answer, you know, advise ourselves as we're talking. We kind of think it through. It's like as we're listening to what happened or whatever out loud, it's like, oh, wait, maybe I should have done this or done that. Sometimes oh, I think sure. Confucius is wrong then. We work things out. Verbally agreed, but the message is uh, well taken. That giving the giving the person time to to finish and be heard will progress the conversation and maybe shorten it. I I never thought about yeah, it that way, but it you're right. It. You're right. It shortens it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a great skill there, and I think. You may be thinking that I'm long-winded because I'm a long-winded person sometimes, but you're you're smiling, you're open, you're receptive. And so if I am long-winded, I might finish shorter than if I was getting interrupted or, or anything like that. And so like having that patience and that calmness. And then when you're calm and patient and you're just looking at me, then I get you know a better chance to reflect on how I'm coming off and the fact that I've been talking for this many minutes straight. Okay. Look at you. She's doing it right now. You're messing <laughs> with me now. Yeah. And I'm working on that in the podcast too. I'm working on getting over myself. I say that. And sometimes I get really excited and engage with the guest and I should, probably should just, you know, let the let guest, the guest flow the entire way. But sometimes, especially when you're hearing a a, a production, the, the, the conversation builds when you can interject and things like that. And um, I, I know that you're, you're paying attention, you pick up on that. And if you do happen to jump in with something exciting and conversation forward moving, you always, you always loop back. Like you heard me way back when, and it might be a couple minutes later, cause we might have a, a car ride going on and there's an issue on the road and we're navigating and we spend three minutes navigating and then we're back and you pick up where we left off. Mm. I do that. Yeah, you do that. That's good because sometimes I feel like you don't, you think I forgot where we left off. It's true. I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, sometimes I feel you get a little def, uh, defensive. Like if we're, we're talking, especially if you're doing the talking, and then I either, yeah, I have to do listen to the navigation. I'll say, hold on, right? I need to figure out where we're at or what have you. 
I tell you, getting a little butt hurt about that. <laughs> but then I, then yeah. you're right. Then I get us back on track on the conversation and you yeah, relax. You do. Um, you mentioned <laughs> like the workplace briefly, and mm-hmm. the listeners will know that you work in a a, a hu- pretty huge bureaucracy, mm-hmm. right? A, a large uh, 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 environment, agency. right? And you've been there for a long time, mm-hmm. and. I'm not there with you working, but when I hear your stories and your recaps, I always detect that you have, you know, extreme uh, sensitivity to how you come off and the best thing to say at the best time to the best person and what you shouldn't say to this person at this time and the timing and the strategy and the structure. And that's enabled you to thrive in your career and continue to get promoted uh, and and be in a a management leadership position at this time. Uh, But I'm wondering like, that environment is entirely 100% different than I've been in myself as a high-flying solo solo flyer who's been mostly doing my own business, a lot of times working by myself all day or traveling around doing sports or, or whatever, not in the corporate setting. Um, but does that, that day-to-day interaction help you with your uh, emotional control and self-stability in everyday life? No, I think it's just because who I am as a person, because if you were to go to my workplace setting, there's other people oh. that are at my same, who've had my same experiences, right? right? As far as the workplace. Right. And they, they're, they, they're, they pop off nonstop. They're, they're totally different Bla- than I am. Blurred out stuff they never should say to that person because then it's going to turn into a whole drama. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah. So yeah. no, it's just, it's just who I am. Right. So it just happens that those skills are... Uh, valued and rewarded in in most workplaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. What about in the succession of uh, relationships? You've had a couple really long term ones and uh, a couple of the shorter or medium term. Right. But you've progressed through these, and you claim to be the the best that you are today. Your your, your best relationship uh, self right now. Exactly. Through that life experience. Definitely. Actually, each relationship, sub, each subsequent relationship, I've been the best person that I've been. And then the next one, I'm even better and I'm even better because I've I've never had regrets about any of my relationships. I've always learned and grown from each of my relationships. You learn, you know, about yourself, but then you also learn strategies from the relationship. So... Yeah, you're right, lucky guy. You got the best me right now. So not having regrets uh, is one of my favorite goals in life because I feel like if you want to go there, we can all go there anytime. I can tell you about the stock options that I had that were four months away from making me a multimillionaire and it ended up to be a zero and the regrets and the pain and suffering that I incurred at that time and all the other things that I, uh, the opportunities I missed out on or the regrets that I had with raising my kids and treating them this way from ages eight to 12. But if you go there, I feel like it arrests your growth and development and that the main goal should be not repeating the same mistakes or the same bad patterns. Exactly. Yeah, you can't have, I always feel like things happen for a reason. Hmm. And let's say... The stock options that you almost missed out, missed out on. You could have like not missed out on them and that's that you had all this money. There's a lot of other problems that come with money. 
maybe in that particular situation. And who's to say that you would not have been buying all this real estate, then lost all your money in real estate when the downturn happened, mm-hmm. you know? So, no, there's a reason for things. Uh, there was a Tim Ferriss show recently with this f- famous interview guy, Cal Fussman. He asked him this question about um, what would you do differently or what, what advice would you give to your, oh, was, what advice would you give to your 30-year-old self? He, he asked that of every mm-hmm. guest on a show. And the guy said, nothing, because I wouldn't change a thing because everything I did in my life led me to the bus seat in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I met my wife. And it was such a beautiful answer. answer. Like I I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing because it led me to where I am today and who I am. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah. That's a great answer. We've put out a lot of, uh, a lot of concepts and ideas, floated them out there. And some of it was a little, uh, uh, roundabout, but we've, I think teed up some, content to focus on for future shows so sounds good thanks for thanks for getting on the mic and they've had a, a busy day as usual but thanks for the invite mia moore thank you for being on the podcast we'll we'll check in with you later you're welcome miyagi Let's talk about probiotics from Integro Health. Do you want me to sing the messages? Nah. But probiotics are an extremely important concept. Hopefully you're all in on the values, the benefits of nourishing a healthy gut microbiome so you can flourish in life. And that's the name of Integro's product, Flourish a unique, extremely potent living liquid probiotic. Yes, it's liquid form. How is it different from other probiotics we usually see in pills? This is the message from Integro. Microbes continue to thrive and metabolize in their own milieu. Do you like when companies use the word milieu to describe their product? I do. These include short-chain fatty acids, bioactive peptides, amino acids, enzymes, and minerals. The liquid base makes it acid-stable, so microbes can survive the stomach environment and transit to the lower GI tract for integration to give you a healthy gut microbiome. There's 11 different strains in this thing, carefully hand-cultivated in the laboratory with precision to deliver 8 billion total CFU. Why take probiotics? Come on, you have to ask. It's going to strengthen your immune function, reduce systemic inflammation, the root cause of all disease, improve digestion, promote bowel regularity, relieve gas and bloating, get you going again after illness or antibiotic use. That's me because I first got this shipment the very day I returned home from a Mexican vacation and had a stomach illness once again. What a bummer. So sad because I love going down south, but I needed to repair and return to action quickly. So I started guzzling this stuff and had had a wonderful return to health. I'm a very enthusiastic user 
and will be over the long run because I need all the help I can get. I don't know about you when we're talking about our routine usage of antibiotics, the stress we put on our system and in the environment every single day. I especially notice my gut health is compromised when I engage in overly intensive athletic training, have trouble recovering. My gut is the first thing to go. So this is my go-to product, the Flourish Probiotic in liquid form. Try it yourself. I love the delicious root beer float flavor. Just kidding, man. This stuff is no funny business. This is the real deal. It's very potent. It tastes fine. It goes down okay, but no root beer float flavor. Sorry. Take it. You'll love it. Go look at IntegroHealth.com for more information and to order shipped directly to your door in its unique liquid form. Flourish! Hey, it's Brad to talk about my buffalo-fueled lifestyle. Yes, it is incredible food, 100% grass-fed and finished. Check out wildideabuffalo.com. They have a wonderful website acquainting you with the benefits of eating a sustainably raised animal. From start to finish, it goes beyond organic where they're in harmony with the environment and you're eating the ultimate nutritional quality animal, something to really consider and think about when we talk about the disastrous contrast with the horrible, miserable life of the feedlot animal who's stuffed full of crappy junk food, including candy with their wrappers on sometimes. (laughs) Oh, mercy. When you taste this, when you take one bite, of a buffalo steak or a buffalo burger. Cook it plain if you want to do a proper test. Just take it with nothing, no seasoning, no spices, no sauces. Take one bite and you tell me if I'm wrong. Nope, I'm gonna be right. Wow, Brad was right. Everyone who eats Wild Idea Buffalo's right. Wildideabuffalo.com, check them out, try some. Go look in the finer health food stores and chains or order some directly from the website. Visit wildideabuffalo.com and hit the order button. They have organized everything for you with beautiful pictures. Click on monthly specials, try their bundles so you get free shipping. If you're on a budget, hit the ground bison and burger section. They have all these different flavors and packages. And if you have pets and you care about them, you'll click on the pet food section and order up for those beautiful animals too. They deserve to eat healthy food instead of garbage in a bag. Wildideabuffalo.com. Check it out today. Thank you for listening.